Well, welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am the host of the show. And today, uh, we've got part two of our conversation with Dr. Catherine Blatney about how to talk to your kids about sex. So I will say right off the bat, if you missed last week, make sure you stop what you're doing and go back and listen to week one of how to talk to your kids about sex. Dr. Blatney walks through some helpful first steps to this conversation um, that have nothing to do with your kids. And so it's a helpful place to start to go back and hear the entire conversation. Uh, You might say, well, I don't have younger kids. I don't need to worry about that. There are some helpful um, filters and and just uh, things to think about for yourself and your own in your own past and background and history, all the different layers that you bring into this conversation uh, affect how you have this conversation. So definitely helpful to go back and hear uh, our first part of the conversation with Dr. Blatney uh, before jumping in this week. If you did jump in the, the, this past week, uh, thank you and thanks for coming back. And we and we hope uh, that this conversation has been helpful and practical for you. Um, maybe it made you a little bit uncomfortable. And you know what? That's good too, because uh, we can't grow if we're not getting uncomfortable sometimes. So uh, this week we pick back up with Dr. Blatney talking about how to talk to your kids about sex. It's, it's a, again, like I said last week, it is such a helpful, helpful talk. Uh, so if you are uh, ready to go, grab some pen, uh, paper, and maybe your parenting partner, somebody that... that uh, is in this fight with you and sit down to enjoy uh, the second half of our conversation with Dr. Catherine Blatney about how to talk to your kids about sex. So we're already kind of on the downhill toward this, toward this direction. Let's, let's talk about puberty. Let's talk about, uh, you know, uh, hormones, everything entering into the conversation. And, you know, I think, um, most of us are, are, are kind of thinking as parents, as we have younger kids, okay, I've got till 12 or 13 till I need to start worrying about puberty. And that's not always the case, right? So can we talk about maybe when, when some of the earliest signs might be that we are, sure. are entering that phase? Absolutely. And I want to say one thing, and then I'm going to jump into puberty. Um, one more topic with these little four to six-year-olds is if yeah. you catch them playing doctor with a... With oh, a, yeah, um, this is good, yeah. With somebody in the community, with one of their classmates, with a neighbor. So basically, God created us to be curious. And at this little precious, vulnerable stage, we're being curious. And so around age 10 is when you have the DHEA crush hormone, okay? It's called the crush hormone. That's when it's entered into the body. And so you're starting to see differences in girls and boys. And that's when boys are starting to kind of like crush on the girls. And that's when girls are having more of an emotional uh, awakening. Boys are having more of a sexual awakening. Girls are having the emotional, like, oh, the romance. And they talk about that. So um, so when you catch your child, um, and it's, I would say it's about 40% of catching your child playing doctor or experimenting with a neighbor. Um, again, if there is not three years difference, then we don't really need to be discussing, um, abuse. So, okay. um, if it is three years difference, contact me or Tana or one of us, and we'll walk you through that yeah. for those where it's not, um, it needs to be perceived as natural curiosity. The way kids, you know, um, you know, kind of stick things up their nose and in their near ears, you need to kind of let them know, okay, we don't stick anything in our vaginas. Okay, we need to keep our clothes on. So if you walk into the room and you see um, them playing, 
try to de-escalate. Again, this is natural curiosity and we need to approach it like that. We do not need shame to enter in because that's our own stuff and that's our own adulting into this. We need to remember their age and say, hey guys, it seems like y'all are curious. Why don't y'all pop downstairs, put your clothes on and pop downstairs and let's talk. And then you walk downstairs and you freak out. Okay. Internally, you're <laughs> freaking out. You're freaking out. You're dysregulated. Like you just, every little step going down that stairs, even if you don't have stairs, go find stairs. But <laughs> just your breathing, you regulate yourself. mindful. Yes. Just be mindful. Go deeper into your sense of self, right? Come on. Just you know. a cup of coffee, like what. Whenever you gotta have some chocolate, like just take a moment. Take a moment. Text your friend, Mayday, Mayday, you know. Um, So, what you can share with them is like, it seems like y'all are curious. Let's talk about this. And that's when you bring out the anatomy book and say, hey, isn't this cool how God created us different? If you ever have questions, just come to me or so and so, you go to your mom. But remember, clothes are always left on and doors are always left open. Okay, he wants cookies. You know, (laughs) just kind of like transition and then give yourself a big high five. Um, That's really really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So I would just kind of say when you have those big um, action points where it triggers a lot of adult emotions, how can we see it as a way of a corrective experience um, for your child and a way as to highlight and empower their curiosity and not to to allow shame to creep in? So... um, so, so then we get, we get to puberty. Okay. Puberty. Whoo. It's, um, you buckle <laughs> in just for a little bit. Right. right. Um, so girls, um, girls, research shows girls start their period at like 12 years, 11 months. And, a young boy, testosterone enters the body at 10. He can, he can be having nocturnal emissions is that early and then starting having, um, some more erections and nocturnal emissions around age 12, 13, 14. Um, and so, um, I heard a physician say, when you see that your little girl is kind of developing the breast buds, it's a good indication 18 months later is when they may start their, um, their cycle. So, Give your kids so much notice without freaking them out and being too awkward about it. Um, Give them notice about what's going to happen in puberty and the changes and the excitements and the awkwardness and, you know, be real about it. Not everything is beautiful and wonderful and needs to be celebrated. Right. Um, But it's a way that our bodies are growing. And so I typically tell um, both the the man and the woman to um, highlight if, when the girl has a, you know, starts her period, because I don't want it just to be the the woman is with the girls and the man is with the boys. Yeah, like yeah. it really needs to be a team approach if possible. Um, and I want the, the man to, you know, walk in and say, Hey, you know, Cecilia, I heard today was kind of a big day. Good job. Wink, thumbs up leave the room. Okay. We're not throwing a period party. We're not sitting down. How do you feel? You feel like a woman, you know, no, mm -mm. we're just going to acknowledge it and we're going to move on. Okay. Cause if she needs any kind of pads, tampons, whatever, she knows she can come to you because you've actually acknowledged it. Right. Right. You know, so I think that's important. Um, I think letting them know about just the puberty changes, the voice, the hair, um, the growths, the, um, the hormones, all of that, let them know ahead of time so that they 
don't feel any more awkward and weird and crazy that they're going to feel. I mean, that's just kind of a natural yeah. um, season of life. It's um, just something you have to kind of go through with your teenagers. And so helping them understand that ahead of time in preparation can cut down on a little bit of that weirdness and awkwardness that happens. Yeah, that's really, that's really good. So we're, you know, we're starting to notice hormones coming in and all of that. And that, you know, self-touch can turn to masturbation in a, I'm sure the kind of the blink of an eye and, mm-hmm. um, and with, you know, cell phones and internet and all of that come pornography and easy access to all of that all the time in every way through every electronic thing. Like I was at Home Depot earlier and I saw there's a Wi-Fi enabled grill and I was like, nah, I draw the line. I draw the line. No, but you know, I think we're, you know, a lot of us are going to be shocked at, you know, God, I was just letting my kid play Mario Odyssey on the Nintendo Switch, and all of a sudden, they, now they've got porn pulled up, like whether on purpose or accident or whatever. Can we can we talk through the pornography picture as a as a parent? How how should we start that conversation? How can we like, you know, maybe not technically provide a safe home because there's a whole bunch of different you know variables with that, but how how do we start that conversation with them and sort of safeguard them against those things as they're starting to get curious about it? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to, I just want to empower you parents who are listening to this. Like there is so, I mean, just, you need to provide so much empathy to yourself. You are doing the very best job you know how, and that is all anyone can ask. And so just keep that in mind. Give yourself a lot of grace. Um, If you're hearing some things and you're like, well, I blew that or well, I messed up my child there. No, there are always teachable moments and there's moments to be redeemed and the Lord can do that. And there can be such sweetness that come from that. So I just felt that was on my heart and wanted to share, like, just really give yourself some grace and some empathy because this, there is no manual for being the parent. And I know that you're doing the best, you know, how. So let's talk about brain development and that will introduce the hormones, which will then introduce pornography. So Brain development during the developmental years affects our sexuality, right? Especially in boys. There's a rapid development in the hypothalamus, which actually causes the sexual thoughts to crowd out other thoughts. So if your young boy is forgetting to do studies, forgetting to do chores, forgetting to do the things that are normal, well, it's because the hypothalamus is being on overdrive, right? So um, it's creating... um, a sexual awakening that I talked about earlier. And um, so let's kind of set the stage for these hormone cocktails and these younger little impressionable brains. So during puberty and young adolescence, the dopamine, which is the feel-good hormone, is elevated. You have surges of testosterone creating great interest in sex, which leads to fantasy, thoughts, curiosity, erotic dreams, wet dreams, Then you have the norepinephrine, which is your adrenaline, right? That's elevated. And serotonin, which is your mood stabilizer, is decreased. So here we have, (laughs) right? Right. Yes. So here we have the dopamine, the feel-good hormone. We have testosterone. We have adrenaline. All of that is increasing, whereas your mood stabilizer, good old serotonin, (laughs) is decreased. Um, Also, to just, you know, give a little bit of encouragement more is the prefrontal cortex, which is the place of reason right there, um, right behind your your forehead. Um, That is inactive. Uh It has not grown yet. It has not grown yet. Mm -mm. That is inactive. And and they're actually showing studies that it's like 20 
23 in women and 26 in men. I'm not sure what that means, but <laughs> I'm just going to put that right there. So you're saying so, the, Catherine, the Catherine Blatney Academy will enroll children from four to 23 or 26, baby. Absolutely. You can pick I love them back that. Up. I love that. So, um, so the, the prefrontal cortex allows you to think long-term consequences versus immediate gratification. Oh, gosh. And so, you know, this... This equation does not sound well for these adjusted and well-regulated teenagers, right? <laughs> um, so actually, studies have shown that a very similar brain of someone going through puberty mimics someone under the influence of cocaine. <laughs> and when I share this, there's a lot of, of giggling, and then there's this, like, hush of, like, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah. with that understanding, I mean, how much more grace do we have for these little people? I- Yes. I, I mean, that exact thought just came through my mind. I thought, well, again, if I know the science of that, I can go, oh, you don't literally hate me. You're just acting your age. Like you're doing exactly mm-hmm. what your body is designed to do right now. And I'm here to help shepherd you through that. Right. That's Absolutely. really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so a lot of times these kids are more kind of immediate gratification, um, they talk on the phone till three in the morning because they're not thinking I'm going to be tired and maybe not do well on my exam the next day. Like, so this is where around 15 is where um, parents need to really come and help provide um, the ability to be decision makers and help these little 15, 16 year olds become good decision makers because they just don't have that capability. So they don't think, Oh, if I, have sexual relations with somebody, you know, they're not thinking I could get HPV, which could create cervical cancer, which would cause me infertile for the rest of my life. They're thinking the immediate right now. And so these little kids need our ability to come inside, come alongside and just equip them with decision-making skills. And so, you know, when, when you look at, um, pornography, when you look at just the way social media is, um, if our brains are that crowded already with sexual energy, why do we need to fuel it with more from the internet? And that doesn't give them the ability to really sift through and discard. And so they are on overdrive. Um, So with my little kids, um, there's a great book, Good Choice, Bad Choice, Good Choices, Bad Choices um, by Kristen Jensen. And that talks about like, how do you educate your kids if they were to stumble upon um, pornography on the internet as a young kid. They have Good Choices, Bad Choices, Junior Edition, and then they have the older one. And it just, it provides the ability um, to equip your kids to say, hey, let's say these are your younger kids. Hey, if you're on the you know computer doing something, whether it's Spell City or whether it's playing a game with your friends or, you know, and something pops up that you know is not appropriate, stop, move away from the computer, don't try to exit out. Don't try to, you know, cancel it out because sometimes images will start popping up yeah. even more. Yeah. So stop, turn away from the computer screen, run and tell. And so it, it just kind of helps educate your kids. And I mean, I start 
probably six, six or seven years old is when you can read the junior version of this. Um, And then the older version is really porn proofing your mind. And in the back of the book, it shares like how parents can use this information and how you can maybe um, somehow um, deal with the images that you have seen. So I really educate and equip these kids to stop, turn, run, and tell, okay? Then you get older and um, with the pornography, um, it is going to be... letting them know, hey, you're going to have sexual fantasies. You're going to have testosterone in your body that is urging you to look at images on the computer. These are images that cannot be unseen, um, you know, without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so going to that second version, that's going to be for your older kids. Okay. Probably um, maybe 10 and up, you could read the second version of it. Um, And that really equips them for ways to manage if they were to fall into pornography um, again, if they share this with you to say, hey, it seems like you're curious, let's talk. You know, what what kind of, what was the precursor that maybe led you to that, you know, to that place where you typed in a certain keyword or when you were at a friend's house, um, you know, what would you like to have done differently? So again, you're just kind of being their counselor to say, okay, what led you? What was the catalyst? And what what are we going to do differently next time? And um, and then maybe answer some of their questions that they were curious about that maybe they, you know, Googled boobs or something. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like, okay, it seems like you're curious about boobs. Let's talk about that. Yeah. that Well, so I think that's really helpful. And I think that, again, the um, maybe the theme that's emerging out of this is that uh, every parent to have a child that goes through puberty just needs to have de-escalation techniques for themselves because right. I think being able to guide those conversations, it it's every parent's fear that their kids are going to be unequipped to walk through the world in some way, shape, or form, and it will have been our fault. And so when we see things that are potential down the road problems happening. It's the freak out. We want to immediately like run in and smash a TV or a computer or throw the cell phone away. Like, well, you're never having a phone again. Whatever, you know, so I think being able to deescalate and, and have a curious conversation as a, as a steady guide um, for your kids is, is really, really helpful. And these books are great too. Like I'm, I'm like making notes right now to order them all on Amazon and yeah, we'll link them yeah. in the show notes and all that stuff. Yeah. And I can give some other books too. And, and so, you know, it's just, it's interesting because you think about like, oh, how do I talk to my kids about sex? And here we are having talked for a very long time, not about intercourse because there's so many things. We live in such a sexually charged um, society that there's so many things that we're combating as parents that lead to a healthier and healthy view of yourself as a sexually whole being. So yeah, y'all yeah. done an amazing job of staying with all the different topics. Um, and, and I would go back and say probably around age 10, 11, 12 is when you can introduce how intercourse happens and you can introduce okay. the, the term orgasm. You can introduce kind of cervix for the woman, uterus, like you can have a reproductive type conversation and, you know, just kind of matter of fact, looking at scientific, what that looks like. Um, And you can lay out, this is how intercourse happens. Um, 
And you can even talk about how the Lord provides your body to be ready for intercourse with lubrication and erections and how, um, how that plays out. But you don't have to spend a ton of time, and they already have a buildup of all the foundations you've laid at the different right. developmental yeah. stages. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be this massive, like, I mean, it, it's wonderful to take a trip and to say, okay, we're going to talk about it. But it should be very normal, like, hey, we, we talked about this two years ago specifically. Now you're a little older, which is pretty cool. Let's talk yeah. about it. And then we're going to have, you know, later in life, they're going to have conversations about oral sex and they're going to have conversations about lots of other things. And that's when it's like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's Google some of these terms because, you know, us parents are going to be a little outdated <laughs> by that time. So, right. um, but just really, again, educating them um, and equipping them to have the information that's needed. So, so that would be kind of in terms of how to talk to your kids about sex. That's how the progression goes. That's for really, sure. That's really good. Tana, do you have something? I was thinking a little bit about JD, kind of when you were talking and, and we've hinted around it, but how incredibly important it is for us as, as parents to, even if our children are exposed to something online or, you know, they get out ahead of what we would hope for them in terms of knowledge or experience or exposure or events, that man, the parent shame can just pile on us and just keep us frozen of, you know, I'm a bad parent. I, you know, all the things that can kind of get us stuck and keep us from being able to actually support what our kids need for us in that moment. And so again, just being really open, even having these kinds of conversations like the three of us are having for our listeners listening and listening along, like, to de-shame this entire conversation, to not let us get stuck into a moment of, um, I am a bad parent, or I didn't do what I needed to do, like just to be present in the moment, not being terrified of what's coming or horribly guilty about what's happened, but how do we stay present for our kids in the moment, I think is incredibly important. Yeah. And and we get to create that dialogue. Like we get yeah. to be these radical changers for our family. I've always, at the end of my talks, I always say, okay, now you're the sex ambassadors for your family. Go yeah. forth yeah. and teach healthy sexuality. Like we, we're empowered to do that. And my hope is in listening to this and listening to our dialogue that you as a listener will feel empowered Mm-hmm. not the shame that keeps you bind and keeps you debilitated, but to feel that empowerment to go forward. I've had, you know, people say, well, I totally screwed up my child. We've been calling it front butt, back butt forever. And, <laughs> or cookie or you name it. And yeah, yeah. Or hee haw or lula. Or uh-huh, whatever. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, the, there's always a teachable moment. That's yeah. when you go to your child and say, you know what? you're old enough to wear that front butt, it's called a vagina. And if you can't say vagina, just say gina. Just say gina. It's a person's name. Anyway, you know. So, um, but there's always teachable moments to say, hey, you know, I told you the baby, you know, comes from a stork. Actually, let Mm -hmm. me, you're old enough to where we can have this conversation. It's pretty cool. So that's a way for you to not divulge the shame that you feel and sit in it. It's right. a way for you to feel empowered for change and radically accepting yeah. bodies, yeah. sexuality, and moving forward to really create these sexually whole people. That's really helpful. I love that. 
So shall we round third and head for home here? We're, we're in the teenage years now, and so we're talking about setting parameters for healthy sexual thought and exploration, all that. Um, now come relationships, and like you said, like we need the secret, uh, we need a secret parent Google document that shares right. all the slang terms for all the different sex acts that we don't know yet, <laughs> like that, that are and, and acronyms for texting that kids are using to communicate that is like a secret code that we don't know. Um, can we talk through how to begin prepping them for relationships, beginning healthy relationships, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, when you think about like, you want to really have relationships be honored and valued at the core, um, honor the way you talk about these relationships, um, the way your heart is towards these relationships and the way that you behave in these relationships and really honor space, honor um, each person in that. And so what we've talked about before is sometimes there is the inability to think long-term consequences. So they think immediate gain. Um, boys have, are tend to think after they act. So actually, like I heard um, David Thomas talk about the worst thing to say to a young boy is like, what were you thinking? <laughs> because actually they weren't. Right. Okay. Right. So they act before they think. And so I yeah. think it's helpful to understand, like you said, the science behind all the hormones that are going on in their bodies to help them decipher between what do you, what are your thoughts about that? I wonder how this person is feeling. Like just kind of ask probing questions to get them to think beyond themselves. Um, it's not uncommon for, you know, 13, 14, 15 year old girls to feel madly in love. And so let me kind of tell some parents what's going on is in a new relationship, you have a surge of oxytocin, which again is the bonding hormone. Yeah. And that typically tapers off after three months of a new relationship. So if you can hang in there um, and and go to the three-month mark, typically she's going to be on to the next or she's <laughs> going to be on to something else, okay? Yeah. Um, if it goes beyond, then that's maybe where some intervention needs to talk about, you know, and to come into play. I had a client years ago, she was 13, and one of her school assignments was to write her epitaph on her tombstone. And I thought that was really important impressive to like, what do you want to stand for? What do you want people to think about you? And so I think that's really important to get these little minds thinking beyond like, what do you want to stand for? Who do you want to, what do you want to represent? And, um, and again, it's helping them make that decision because it can be so difficult. So it's really, it's, it's honoring relationships with their mind, body, soul, and, um, and navigating in that way. Yeah. This has been so good, Catherine. Thank you. I feel like this is uh, something that we're going to keep referencing. I, I'm already thinking about, like, I, I need to get this sent out to, you know, X, Y, Z different people. And when we start our next round of ETC parent training, like, this is going to be <laughs> one of the yeah. pre-assignments for conversations. Um, you know, I, I think the, maybe the last question you might ask is just uh, in, any any other resources you can think of that um, parents want to be aware of um, and, and maybe we'll stay since we're already here in the teenage realm. Are there, you know, we talked about good pictures, bad pictures that might not hit the same for a 16 year old, right? That <laughs> you're getting them that <laughs> look at the book and they're gonna be like, okay, come on. Any other resources we can think of through, uh, for older teenage kids and, and parents as they're starting to navigate those, those really like transitions into full adulthood moments. Yeah. I will send you, I'll send you a list. 
I have several Great. that I have just kind of gotten over the years that I have really enjoyed and little snippets here and there. Awesome. Um, so yeah. I'd love to provide that. And I also, I just, I want to kind of, um, I want to kind of equip y'all as readers and parents for like how to address your child, your child's question at every developmental stage, right? We've kind of, we've gone through the different stages, but like, this is kind of like, all right, here's your take home for how to approach um, answering your kids' questions. So I'm going to okay. go through the five E's of empowerment in parenting, okay? So I'm just going to give you a couple of little kind of take-home um, snippets for you to really feel empowered because that is my goal. So the five E's of excellence and empowerment in parenting. The first is educate, all right? Learn facts, gather information. Hello, thank you for being on this podcast, you are here gathering information, gathering facts that you did not know before this. So you're right where you need to be, all right? Um, when your child comes to you for asking a question, try to understand what the child, so this is all under the first educate. Try to understand what the child is asking. Get a clear picture of what they're really asking and find out what's behind the question. If the child asks where babies come from, they can merely be asking how do babies grow, which is very different from going into the birds and bees questions, right? right. Um, so give intellectual, moral, and social instructions typically at the developmental age that they're needing, okay? The second is to enrich. So I want you to improve the quality or value of your understanding of sexual topics. Always be learning. Get ahead of it, like you said, J.D. Get familiar with the material. Become less emotionally charged when discussing this material, I really want it to be like you're reading a recipe for your favorite dish, okay? There's sacredness to it. There's excitement. There's joy. Um, and then there's also being direct and looking at it. So um, once we know what the child is asking, we then need to review. So the third is enhance. We need to um, intensify and increase or further improve the value of how we're extending knowledge to these kids. So again, at every developmental milestone, we're going to be giving a little bit more information than we gave at the first. All right. So it's going to be building on becoming uh, on, on um, the previous. Again, you're becoming the sex ambassadors for your family. And with great finesse, your communication skills can be enhanced. So don't be afraid of the topics commend your adolescent for coming to you with such important questions. You need to emphasize it is so important that they came to you because Sally's mom down the street may not have the information or Sally, your peer, may not have the information. So this is so great that you've come to yeah. talk to me. And then you also say this is a family question. And so we keep this within the family. That keeps them from going to school to talk about masturbation or, you know, and yeah. it's, you're able to say, hey, Isabella may not have had this conversation with her mom. So we don't want to take that away from them. So this is just really a family question so that helpful. we keep within. Yeah. If you respond in this manner, I promise your teen will be more inclined to come to you again and again. So really enhance the way that you address that. The fourth is equip. All right, supply with the necessary items to be able to respond. Prepare mentally for the situation. Get ready to answer the question over and over and over again. <laughs> In answering the questions, you're equipping them with knowledge to help them grow into being well-adjusted, healthy sexual beings. If you feel that empowerment, like you get to equip them, you create this narrative, nobody else. Okay, first, mes first message is most potent. Let it be yours, not the internet, and not the friend. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, so be sure you answer your child. You can't get out of that, right? So you affirm them for coming to you. You reflect on what they already know. And then you, it is time to respond with factual short answers and be as specific as explicit as the questions asking. All right. So the fifth is empower. All right. You have the authority that you're now empowering your child. You have the authority and power to do something different and radical. All right. Be strong and confident, especially in controlling um, the way you exhibit this information and the way that you um, kind of can manage your own sexuality, feel that empowerment, um, not only for you to feel empowered now, but become educated, enriched in your knowledge, enhanced in your talking skills, and equipped to answer questions. Um, so at the end of all this, I want you to really feel that you're empowered to, again, be the sex ambassadors for your family. You get the token position to empower your children with a greater understanding of who they were created and meant to be as sexual beings. This is awesome. This is so helpful, Catherine. I cannot thank you enough for coming on today. Um, and we are uh, looking forward to the day that uh, that we can read, you know, books on books on books from you and, uh, and be able to fill our libraries with all of your content because uh, this has been awesome. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And, and uh, we can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Bye, Catherine. Thank you. Good stuff from Dr. Blatney. Uh, man, what a helpful, helpful conversation. So I hope that that is, um, I hope that you've gotten a lot out of this over the last two weeks. And uh, this might be a good one to go ahead and download and just kind of keep in the library. Um, and and like I mentioned last week, passing this on to, to folks who are on the front end of their parenting journey, maybe they haven't had kids yet. This is such a great, uh, great place to start. And so uh, our thanks again to Dr. Blatney for joining us and, and thanks to Tana as well. Uh, really, really helpful. Uh, so coming up, I've been talking about this for a few weeks now, but as you know, uh, we are coming up on our series on transracial adoption, uh, which will be happening in the month of November. So we will have several episodes uh, walking specifically through transracial adoption and all the nuances that, that come with it. Um, we are super, super excited for that conversation. So uh, stay tuned for that. Until then, we'll have uh, some more connecting principles, uh, a conversation about one of the most practical ways uh, that we can think about uh, both behavior and misbehavior and, uh, and just a, a really, really helpful tool of stopping and seeing the need behind the behavior. We'll have that conversation uh, coming up as well as some others. Uh, and again, in November, we're going to crank back up with uh, the conversation on transracial adoption. It's going to be great. You don't want to miss it. Uh, our thanks to Dr. Catherine Blatney. Our thanks to Tana Ottinger. Uh, to Kyle Wright, who edits and uh, mixes the audio here for this podcast, and for uh, the one and only Tad Jewett, who played his music and recorded it for us to use as the intros and outros and everything in between. Uh, big thanks to them. Big thanks to you for tuning in with us on the Empowered to Connect podcast. For everybody here, hope that you have a great week. We will see you next time.